We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Thursday, the 18th day of August, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? I'm healthy and alive, doing well, uh, enjoying the climate change outside. So much so that uh, if this is indeed man-made climate change, I want to fire up some more coal power plants. Man-made climate change? You're admitting that the climate's changing and it's caused by man? Oh, I, I okay? certainly hope. If, are you feeling okay? Is... Are, you, are you coming down with COVID? No. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. I'm just, I'm just making yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. No, um, it's uh, a wonderful, like, 75 degrees outside or so. Uh-huh. About that. And it's uh -huh. uh, nice and cloudy. Yeah, it's great weather for August. Huh. And you say that you want to fire up more coal fire plants? That's what you want to do? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, if this is climate change, if this is uh, the, the results of climate change, let's let's have some more of it, please. Thank you. We are going to talk about some climate change. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the power demands. We're going to talk about that today. We started yesterday with that. There's more that's come out on that. We're going to get into that. Uh, you've got another German government official because, hey, look, I and, and I'm not... I'm not just harping on this because this is where I am, but I mean, you're not hearing anything about this in the US, are you? No. You're not hearing anything about this in Australia, are you? No. Well, hell, the British aren't even hearing anything about it. So it's quite interesting to give perspective, given the geographical differences between all of this. It's quite interesting to, to give perspective because we kind of bring something to the, to the table here that not a lot of other podcasters do. I mean, that's, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, yank our own chain here, but um, name me another podcast where they're spread out and they've got people from all corners of the globe where you can, you know, cross Western civilization, I guess, you know, more or less where you can actually get perspective. It's very few and far between. Yeah, it's usually, usually most podcasters are within the same like room podcasting mm -hmm. or, you know, general, generally close together. Whereas this, uh, you know, our, our room is virtual, if you will. Yeah. Um, and but you know, I, I will, uh, I, I'm going to point out something. You were talking about the, what's going on in Germany. Um, we don't hear what's going on in Germany, but because I'm so close to Texas, I hear what's happening in Texas. And Texas, ha Texas is having a very similar uh, situation to where they're not going to have enough power for the winter, uh, mm -hmm. is what they're speculating. Because they were already telling Texans to um, reduce their energy consumption during the summer months. You know, the hottest. Yeah. So very similar. They were doing more than that. Not well. I mean, I'm, I'm not dismissing what you're saying. Absolutely. That's that is indeed what they were saying. But they were actually going a step further than that. And they say that they're going to go and they're going to go a step even further in the winter. They say those that have the smart systems in their homes, they're going to take it upon themselves to save you the trouble of adjusting your thermostat, they're going to do it for you. In the winter months, you don't need that to be higher than 68 degrees Fahrenheit. You, you don't need that to be any higher. And in the summer months, you don't need that to be any lower than 80. They'll take care of that for you. You don't have to worry about it. Don't let me forget because we're, we need to we need to move uh, pretty quick today. But I was speaking to some friends of mine back in the States. And you know, I didn't know this is the case. There's incentives by the utility companies to put these Google systems in your house. I didn't know that. Or, or to put these Amazon systems in your house. One of the guys was saying that, oh yeah, it's only going to cost me 25 bucks to put a Nest system in my house. You're joking. You're joking. I tell those people to pound sand, kick rocks. I don't want that stuff anywhere near my house. I don't care. So what is it? Is it the convenience? Is that all that everyone's looking at? Because I can't seem to get an answer out of any of them as to why they even do it. The only thing they seem to be arguing over is how much cheaper they're going to get it. They don't seem concerned about any kind of privacy or arbitrarily imposed sanctions, because that's what that is, by the way, if you didn't know. Yeah. If the government leans on a utility company and says, hey, look, you need to reduce your energy consumption and you need to force those temperatures to change in people's homes, that's a sanction on you. Mm -hmm. 
That, that's exactly it. So yeah, the, we are incentivized. Um, they incentivize going with all smart uh, meters of any kind. So meters, thermostat, any of that. They want it uh, a smart one, something that they can control on the internet or through the internet uh, from their office. Something that they don't have to go out and uh, read or uh, they don't rely on you to adjust the temperature on. I personally... Um, I'm going to be sticking with the same style of thermostat. It's not going, it's already a pain in the ass enough. The The thermostat that I have is a digital one and it's already a pain in the ass. It won't let you go below a certain temperature. You can't pre-program it to go below a certain temperature. You have to tell it to hold that temperature. So you have to force it to do that. It's it's a little pain in the ass. It was something that I had to read into to figure out how to get it to work that way. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I like it 68 in the house year round. You polar bear. What's wrong with you? I got a buddy of mine who's the same way. He likes it 68 year round. It's like he actually he is about the size of a polar bear. God love him. Uh, he's a great guy. But uh, I always joke with him. I give him a hard time. He has a central air conditioner and he's got like five industrial window units going at any point in time in his house during the summer months. So you talk about somebody that's wasting energy. There you go. Uh, okay, so anyway, uh, on to the uh, on to the furthering of the agenda in Germany. And by the way, I passed a, a protest on my way home tonight. Every Wednesday, they they get together, you know, two, three hundred people out there tonight. And there were more people that weren't in the initial crowd that set off on the other end of town. I specifically drove through the other end of town because I wanted to honk and wave at the protesters. And they all love it. You know, everybody's driving by, waving, having a good time with it. Uh, and there were people that were along the route that were joining that didn't start in the beginning. So they were just kind of sitting along the route waiting until they got to the, the center of town. Good on them. It's still illegal. Yeah. <laughs> good on them. <laughs> Seriously, I don't know what they're even protesting about. I, I don't know what they're protesting against. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, a German official. And this is another one. This is not the one from the constitutional of whatever. Uh, and this guy, this guy's an interior minister, whatever the hell that means. He's come out and he has uh, trashed uh, the cost of living protests because that's what they are now. That's what they've turned into. These are not COVID protests anymore. Yesterday, you have the head of a utility company here, and we talked about it. He, he comes out and he, he literally says, listen, if we have all of these things going on at all the time, if everybody's buying electric heaters now because they're worried about natural gas, the electric grid is going to collapse. It's not going to have like a, a blackout for a couple of hours and then it's going to be back on. It's going to collapse and they're going to have serious problems trying to get that back online. Well, this guy... Uh, Interior Minister of the state, uh, North Rhine-Westphalia, came out today. His name is Herbert Rule. He comes out and he says that the anti-mandatory vaccine and the anti-lockdown demonstrators have found a new cause, the energy crisis. He was giving on uh, he was giving an interview on one of the uh, the mainstream media outlets here. Uh, and he says that German security services are keeping an eye on extremists who plan to infiltrate the protests and stage violence with the unrest being planned via the here it is the Telegram messenger app. There it is. That's the key right there. Telegram won't release the security coding, the encryption uh, algorithms to the German government. That's the problem. That is the problem. Same thing with Threema. They won't do it there either. German authorities, they've tried to ban the app, but they can't. There's no way you can do it. If you've got it installed, there's no way you can block it. Like, it's just not, you know, they and they offer it so many different ways. Telegram's actually thought ahead of that, that they they offer it so many different ways that it's just not possible to, to ban it like that. Real quick, this sounds like they're trying to, to okay, so anti-vax already kind of has a negative connotation to it, right? Our society's already kind of branded them as a, a crazy. So it was easy yeah. for the government to say, these right. are just anti-vaxxers and get the people on board. Now it's going to be the energy crisis and people not going to either afford or the energy is not going to be there. You can't brand brand them as uh, conspiracy theorists or any. You're going to have more support from the average person than you will for the anti-vaxxer rhetoric. So in yes. other words, it didn't work with the anti-vaxxer stuff. It kind of worked for some groups. Now this, it's not going to work at all. It's just not going to work. And I, I think more people are going to turn against the government for doing yes. this. So yeah. I, I hope you know, they double down on the narrative. Yeah. He says that the people that were like, do you remember last? Let me, let me go back here. Do you remember last winter when you had the uh, the head of the German security services? He came out and he said that we can see the new face of uh, violent extremism and the new face of fascism at the COVID protests, the anti-COVID protests the anti-vaccine rallies. And you've got the police that are still giving all of these protesters an escort over here, but yet none of them are violent. So this guy's argument right off the bat doesn't even play. It doesn't even play. 
because these people don't get to that point. They're they're walking down the street saying, this is not about violence. We're not going to get violent. We're going to do this the peaceful way. And that's how it has to be done. You've got to beat them in the marketplace of ideas. That's how this gets accomplished. The more I look at what's happened here, at least where I'm at, the reason that they're ignoring all of this is simply this. The German economy is the only thing, and I'm not trying to bash the other EU nations here like France or Italy or, or the Netherlands, but the German economy is what is keeping this European crackpot nonsense idea alive. The fact that they're producing and the fact that the Germans are giving monetarily to the European Union so much is what is keeping this nightmare system afloat. But they can't do it anymore. That's the end. Like, th this is it. Th this party's been long over. We're the cleaning crew that's coming in with the push brooms and the big trash cans and, and the, the cleaning solution. And we're trying to sweep these people out the front door. That's what's going on. And they just don't want to leave. It's like they want to continue to party. You know, these are the annoying people that you're trying to throw out at the end of the night because you come back and your place is trashed. That's what these people are. And I'm not talking about the protesters either. But the fight, at least on the European continent, it's going to be won or it's going to be lost in Germany. And it's going to be the will of the German people that see to that. It's going to be won or it's going to be lost here. Because this country, and no disrespect to, again, to the Netherlands, to the Italians, to the, uh, to the French or the Spaniards, but the Germans, nearest I can tell, at least from my observations, are fighting harder than any other country at the moment. Everywhere. I'm not discounting the Dutch farmers or anything like that. That's a different issue. It's, well, I mean, it's the same agenda, but it's a different issue. These people have been protesting every single day since COVID began. Rain, sun, or, or sleet. Doesn't matter. This interior minister goes on to say, you can already tell from those who are out there. Now, see, you, you see, they're already all guilty. Yeah, you see that? You can already tell that those that are out there. The protests no longer talk about the coronavirus or vaccination, but they are now misusing people's worries and fears in other fields. It's almost something like new enemies of the state that are establishing themselves. He goes on to say that such issues were feeding conspiracy theory narratives. Conspiracy theory. You legitimately had a head of one of the major power companies come out yesterday, as I previously mentioned, and said that the power grid was going to collapse if this wasn't all rethought immediately. And then this guy says, oh, if you believe that, then that's a that's a conspiracy theory narrative. How is this not gaslighting? Th this is gaslighting to like the nth degree all the way through. No. Do you know what this is? Bruce, you stated it last week. This is I am not here. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. They're lying to your face and hoping you'll believe it. Nope, there's no energy crisis. Don't believe that. Oh, uh, but you're going to have to do without heating and, uh, and, and electricity. But there's no crisis. Don't worry about it. That's like Biden saying last month, the month of July in America, there was zero percent inflation. Zero percent. And then Kamala Harris coming out and saying, if you're an American, you've got more money now than you've ever had. You've got more money in your savings account than you've ever had. I can't even do this with a straight face anymore. I can't even do this with a straight face. It's like they're, they're hitting you from all these different angles. And the idea is, as we discussed yesterday, the idea is, is they are trying to kill you. I'm not trying to be pessimistic here. I'm very hopeful for the future if we can continue this fight and, and play the long game. And we can do it without violence. That's the key. Because you get whoever gets violent doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if the state gets violent or if the protests get violent, like you see in all of these other, these other um, countries where the economy has just completely collapsed, like Sri Lanka or Sierra Leone. You look at these places, they had six cops in Sierra Leone that were murdered in 24 hours. That's not where any of this needs to go. That does not need to happen. That doesn't need to happen. You've heard Pavel talking about what happens when society collapses. We don't need to go down that road. There is no reason for that. None whatsoever. We have got to have established law and order. The problem we have here is, is that the government is breaking the law. That's the problem here, is that the state, I don't care what state you're from. I don't care if you're French or, or British or Canadian or Australian or American or German or Italian. I don't care. Wherever you're listening to us from, tell me that the government in your country is not breaking the law. And don't tell me that they are being legal just because they passed an emergency order giving them permission to do so. That's not a law. You want to get technical about it? You want to look at it in that term? You want to look at it in terms of actual history? Then everything that happened under the Third Reich was legal. 
But that doesn't make it morally right, does it? These people can sit up there from upon high behind these uh, armed guards and these high walls in these government buildings and can say, everything that we're doing is legal. But that doesn't make it morally right, does it? It was the same thing in the Soviet Union. Stalin had all of those people and Lenin had all of those people liquidated in the gulags. What well, was legal, wasn't it? The KGB going out and picking up traitors, that was legal, wasn't it? But that doesn't make it morally right. Any form of totalitarianism where you have state-sanctioned brutality, simply passing an edict doesn't make it the right thing to do. So anyway, apparently if you want to protest your electricity and your heating being shut off and your water being turned off because you don't have water without electricity, if you want to protest that, then you're now a violent extremist. And, you know, someone actually suggested in the government today, someone actually suggested that, hey, um, don't you think we should possibly consider removing the income tax to help relieve the burden on families and individuals and businesses until the high energy prices can come down? And they said, oh, no, that's preposterous. Why would we do that? So in other words, what you're saying is, is they're intentionally trying to destroy society. Yes. They're intentionally trying to collapse economies, collapse. Basically, as we said before, this is a wealth transfer. This is taking the average person, the middle class, the small business. It's taking their wealth and transferring it to the elite. That's that's what this is intending to do. And honestly, you, you know, the whole uh, you'll own nothing and be happy about it. How are they going to take everything from you? Well, one of the ways is, is uh, make it so expensive for you to live. You can't afford to have your own stuff. Uh, that, that's essentially what they're trying to do right now. Energy is going to become so expensive that uh, you, you won't be able to afford to, uh, you know, have your own television or have your own uh uh, a car or have your own, really your own place. You're going to have to to rent a place because you just can't afford it anymore. It's just too expensive. That's what they're pushing us towards. They're putting us, pushing us towards a, a renter uh, society. You'll own nothing. This is just another step. It. Yeah, this is another step. Of course, we've also talked about that. Uh, they're also trying to uh, depopulate. They're They're trying to kill us off. So this is all happening at the same time. Not enough energy? Well, that's that's a bummer. Um, that means you're not going to have enough electricity for your heating. That means people are going to freeze to death. So or or burn up, you know, whichever one that die from heat exhaustion or, you know. And what did we say? What, what did we say after we after we discussed everything that we discussed yesterday? What did we say after everything that we talked about yesterday, after everything that's in all of these books and, and, and all this agenda with this uh, whatever it is that they're doing, the social engineering and, and how they twist you in society and put pressure on you to provoke a response for a change in an opposite direction of where you would otherwise go? What is the only possible takeaway that you could have after everything that we presented yesterday? What is the only possible takeaway that you would have? It's that they are trying to kill you. It's that simple. They are calling for the extinction of the human race. I wish I was being hyperbolic. You know, I, I wish that I wish I was I was sitting here saying, boy, it's it's almost like um, that Alex Jones guy. It's almost like that guy was right 10, 15 years ago when he was screaming about how these people are are sitting in high level university circles talking about how they want to kill you and your family. Well, we looked at their own books yesterday and they literally say that that's what they want to do. You've got Noah Harari, Klaus Schwab's guy, running around all over podcasts saying uh, these people are useless. When he says these people, he's talking about us, you and I. He's literally calling us useless eaters. Klaus Schwab even says that in his book, The Great Reset, Useless Eaters. How much more obvious does it need to be? Oh, by the way, Klaus Schwab, he attended Harvard. Where do you think he went to school? Same school where these, where these people teach. One might think that Harvard University is a problem. <laughs> If you look at it in terms of that. I mean, most universities are nowadays, unfortunately. Yeah, but not to this um, level. I mean, they're talking about, well, you know, I, I don't have to get back into it again. But anyway. OK, so uh, we're doing the energy crisis thing because they're forcing it. Same thing with the food crisis. You said that they're going to make you choose between heating or cooling and, and food. That's what they're going to do. And of course, what's going to happen with that one? You're not going to have either. If they say, OK, well, they're going to make you choose between one of the two. No. You're not going to have either that are going to be available. The reports that we talked about a few weeks ago that are released in the UK, they say we're going to ban beef and lamb by what was it like 20 uh, within the next three years. They're, they're going to ban it. And Ned's question was very simple. He says, how can you outlaw food? That's what they're going to do. That is what they're going to do. They're doing it right in front of you. But if you just 
buy an electric car, then it will be all okay. You won't have to worry about those rising energy costs at the pump, at the petrol station. You're not going to have to worry about that. New Jersey has the right idea. The state of New Jersey in the United States, they have come up with a scheme. I love this. I love this scheme. Of course, it's a scheme, scam, whatever you want to call it. They've come up with a scheme to use $60 million of taxpayer money. Of course, see, it's not even their money because they don't have any. Neither do any of these governments. They don't have any money. That's our money. They're going to give $60 million to residents for electric vehicles. Now, Bruce, when I told you these figures, these facts and figures, you were you were immediately jumping in, cutting all of this stuff down. So the state of New Jersey is going to do the following. If you're driving a regular gasoline-powered car right now, and you go out and you buy an electric vehicle, this is what the state of New Jersey is going to do for you. They're going to give you $4,000 in cash for buying an electric vehicle. Anybody that buys an electric vehicle, you're going to get four grand in cash handed to you. And if you install an electric charging station at your home, I got a neighbor of mine that's actually got one. They have a Tesla and they put a Tesla charging station in their driveway. If you buy a charging station and you hook it up to your uh, whatever, your your um, electricity at your house, because those things don't charge themselves, they're going to give you an additional $250 in cash. So all in all, if you buy an electric car for, I think the average price is what, $56,000 or something like that. So if you buy yeah, one of those. 60000 yeah. altogether. 60000 Okay. So if you buy one of those, and I'm sure that's probably not with any options or anything. If you buy one of those, then the government's going to hand you at most $4,250. Boy, that sounds like a deal, doesn't it? Also, the Biden administration, he just announced the other day that they're going to offer an additional $7,500 off by giving you a federal income tax credit for purchasing that car. So if you buy that at the end of the year, when you file your taxes with the international robbers, I always do that. I don't know. When you file your taxes with the Internal Revenue Service and you put on there that you have an electric car, you bought an electric car within the last 12 months and you give them all the paperwork then they will give you a tax credit of $7,500. What they're not telling you is that because of inflation, because of this Inflation Reduction Act or what the hell ever that they just put through, Ford and GM, the two companies that you're going to buy your electric car from in the United States, have just raised their prices by $8,000 on each one of those cars. So it doesn't even matter. Plus the uh, the two fifty that New Jersey's doing, um, that's only going to pay for your electric bill for one month with that electric charger there. Um, those chargers are not cheap um, on your energy bill. They they increase your energy bill quite a bit. Um, but and we're looking at blackouts yeah, for the better and brownouts. Yeah, yeah. So how are you going to charge it when there's no energy to be had? So uh, I, this is so stupid. It's just so, it's, it's so foolish. It's beyond ridiculous. It's not about giving you something that's going to work. It's not meant to work. I've been saying that for years about electric cars here. It's not meant to work. It's meant to make you quit. That's all it's meant to do. This is not technology that is for the future. That's not how this is. These cars... These electric cars, unless we have some kind of revelation, some kind of, uh, of revolutionary innovation in battery technology, we're done with lithium batteries, as in we're at the end of what they can do. You can't make them any bigger. You can't make them hold any more of a charge than what they already do. That's it. We're at the end of that. Same thing with solar panels. We're at the end of what solar panels can currently do. It will not go any further than this. And it's the same thing with the windmills. These, these useless things that they, that they put up that are an eyesore that catch less than 3% of the wind that they're supposed to pick up. And then they can't even recycle them because the cost of repurposing them is more than what it is to actually just dispose of them in a landfill. How is this helping the environment? How, how is this saving the earth? How is this helping uh, man-made climate change? What, what is it like? The only thing we've accomplished in any of this is we've created some kind of nonsensical agenda that makes you feel better. And anybody that has a half a brain doesn't even feel better about it. Believe me. And I'm not talking from a standpoint of, you know, just being a hater. I have an electric car parked in my driveway. I don't like it. It shouldn't exist. I didn't pay for it, but it shouldn't be there. Well, this is basically they took Obamacare and seen how Obamacare succeeded in getting uh, the American people to bend over and take it up the backside when it comes to insurance, because, you know, they told you you would save six hundred dollars a year, whatever the hell it was that you would save. And then it ends up costing you six hundred dollars more a month 
to to have insurance. And then if you don't, if you decide, well, I just won't have health insurance, they fine you. And eventually after 10 years, they can imprison you for not having uh, a, a privately uh, provided service. OK, so they they found out that the American people would take it. They They would take it. So why not build something else that they'll just take that's designed to fail? This is designed to fail, just like Obamacare, just like it. And and the American people, uh, you're, you're going to have to resist it, at least here in the U.S., you're going to have to resist it. Otherwise, it's going to be another Obamacare. And then you'll have Republicans saying, oh, we'll repeal it. Uh, we'll repeal and replace it. Uh, we're not, we're not going to do anything about it. We're just going to leave it. That's what's going to end up happening. So unless you, you, you fight this uh, at the state level now at this point, um, effectively, you've just bent over and took it again. And you're, you're, you're not going to be able to travel. You're, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to have freedom of movement. You, you, you just won't. How are you going to charge your car? How are you going to afford to charge your car? Uh, how are you going to be allowed to go out and drive it? Because the software that's installed on these things is the same uh, to, as uh, the thermostat we were talking about. They can control it. They'll control your car. Uh, I'm sorry. It, yeah, it's too will. warm out. There's too much energy usage. You can't go out and drive your car because that means you have to charge it. So I'm sorry. You can't go and drive. You can only go out and drive once a week for your grocery. Uh, and that's it. Nothing else. And don't think for a second that that can't happen. I actually got in uh, my car a couple of weeks ago and it said on there, sorry, the tracking system is currently down. We're experiencing some technical difficulties, but don't worry. It'll be back up within the next two hours. Who agreed to that? Anybody? Like that was the that was a message from the manufacturer. What business does the manufacturer have knowing where the hell I'm driving? So don't think for one minute that they're not going to tie that to everything else. It's for your convenience. That's that's why they're tracking it. So just in case your car's stolen or you forgot where it's parked, it's tracked so that you know exactly where it's at. That it's for your convenience. You know, when OnStar first came out in the US, I, I actually I was okay with that on the GM cars. I was actually okay with that because I thought at the time, the way they sold it, it, it had nothing to do with tracking. It was, well, here's what this will do. You'll never lock your keys in your car again. They can remotely unlock it. If somebody steals it, they can remotely shut it down. I mean, this is this is back you know, like 20 years ago. They could remotely shut it down. What do you think they can do now? And then I, if so, <laughs> I can honestly say I was I, I did not like it when I was told what OnStar. Yeah, I never do. had it. I never had explained it. it. I was like, wait, they can do. No, I don't want this in my car. Like what, what happens if they, they could just shut but it I down could whenever understand they want. It. Yeah, but I could understand it. I, I could understand it because you had if you if you lived in the city and Grand Theft Auto was a problem, somebody stole your car, they would know exactly where it was and uh, they could shut it down and and so on and so forth. Okay, and you yeah, know what? I've I, had I, people. I, yeah. I've had people tell me that that have had OnStar and I like I said, I've never had it, but I know people that have had it and they've been out in the middle of nowhere America, as in like out in no disrespect, but down in Oklahoma. Where I live. They were. <laughs> yeah, they were actually in Oklahoma. And they were yeah. out between uh, towns. You know how the roads are out there. Sometimes you're driving for 45 minutes to an hour and there's nothing. And no cell service, by the yeah, way. And exactly. some of those locations, exactly. no cell service. Exactly. There's no cell service. That was their problem is they were lost and they didn't have cell service. And so they hit OnStar and they were able to get accurate directions back on track through a satellite call from OnStar in the car. And that actually helped them and it saved them a lot of time. It saved them a lot of hassle. That, in my opinion, is a good thing if it's actually there for a legitimate convenience for you, not for a nefarious purpose. But we all know that the people that are behind all of this have nefarious intentions. They don't even have to have a nefarious. This could all be well-intentioned. The, the thing is, is once they get the system in place and they get the one wrong individual in place that then exploits it, 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 it could be used against you. So even though it'd be convenient and nice, it's still a vulnerability. It's a back door. It's an open window. They, they can get in. That's true. There is no denying that. But you know what? I heard you bashing all of that. And I, I have to say, Bruce, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm hurt that you wouldn't you wouldn't praise President Joe Biden for actually doing right by the American people. It hurts me. It pains me to see that you would actually you would criticize the policies that are coming out of the White House like that. How dare you? I would I would happily praise Biden for doing something good by the American people. 
I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. What, what? I don't care. If you do something that is truly beneficial to the American people, I will applaud you and say you did a good job. Biden has yet to do anything. Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer from the state of New York, who, by the way, has never had a job outside of being a senator of the state of New York, had something different to say when he was standing at the podium just about to introduce President Joe Biden before he signed the Inflation Reduction Act that doesn't reduce inflation. After four years of a president who relished creating chaos, Americans are seeing what it looks like to have a president and a Congress that's focused on delivering results that make their lives better. Mr. President, you've restored dignity, respect, and a sense of action back to the Oval Office. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's my honor to turn it over now. You see, that's more of what you need to be saying for all of these things that the government is doing to help you, the citizen. He's restored all these all these things. He's after four years of of hatred and division, he's restored dignity to the office. And we've got a Congress that's taking action and working to benefit the American people. How am I doing with this? <laughs> I agree. He he is right. The American people are seeing what it was like to not reelect Trump. They are indeed seeing the outcome of that. Uh, and and f again, hiring someone that promises you hope and change. Again, uh, it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that the American people didn't learn the first time, but let's be honest. Um, did we really expect the American populace to learn their lesson the first time? No, we never do. Because we think that somehow or another, we're just going to vote for one of the other criminal and somehow it's just going to miraculously change and everybody can go back to being consumers and not citizens. That's the problem. The thing is, is I'm not as offended by that um, as I am the the Pence video you, you showed. Oh, God. Um, in prep. oh my God. That is worse yes. because Chucky, I expect that out of Chucky. I, I, I expect do, yeah. that because yeah. he, he's he's part of the left. But someone that claims to be on our side. That, that is for the American people, this is far more egregious, in my opinion. Well, I suppose, uh, and I was going to talk about what your governor is doing to actually counter this, and, but uh, this was Pence, since you bring it up, and but I'm actually glad you brought this up because I wasn't thinking of it. Uh, but this is Pence uh, giving a statement on the FBI after the raid at Mar-a-Lago. Earlier today and elsewhere, I, I also want to remind my fellow Republicans we can hold the Attorney General accountable for the decision that he made without attacking the rank and file law enforcement personnel at the FBI. The Republican Party is the party of law and order. Our party stands with the men and women who serve on the thin blue line at the federal and state and local level. And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. Uh-huh. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. Well, let me see. Let's look at what the FBI did just in the raid in Mar-a-Lago. Let's look at that. I learned this morning, and I, I should have I should have been paying closer attention, but I just haven't because it's just uh, I agree with Dan Bongino, uh, and I'm not going to use the bleep button here. When Dan Bongino said that this is some third world bullshit, he's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. This is the kind of stuff you'd see in like uh, Venezuela uh, or something. But one of these countries where they've just got like an absolutely off the wall corrupt government. That's what happens. You've got thugs from the government that come in and kick your door in on whatever nonsense that they've got. That's what they do. When I saw the warrant, you know, Bruce, you were asking me yesterday about, uh, is it normal for a raid, or excuse me, is it normal for a, a warrant to be served and it to take nine hours to go through things? And yeah, it is in some cases. If you're, especially if you're going through like whole filing cabinets and you've got five, six people going through, I don't know, 10 filing cabinets, that's gonna take some time. If, especially if you're looking for one or two documents, that's gonna take some time. So I have seen that take that long, but the way that this one was done, they got this this Epstein lawyer who sits on his couch and drinks early times whiskey in his underwear and eats uh, vanilla double stuffed Oreos while watching a football game. That's who they got. Somehow or another, this guy was representing Jeffrey Epstein. You know, the uh, the, the pedophile guy, the, the human sex trafficking guy, the one that visited the White House many times under Clinton, that guy. And he's now a federal judge. How does that work? Somebody explain that one to me.
they file for the warrant. It took two weeks. It's, did you say it sat on Merrick Garland's desk for two weeks before the judge it got sat hold on of it? it? It sat on his desk two weeks. He was mulling over whether to, to sign off on it. And then it went to the judge. So it goes to the judge. And the judge says, you've got two weeks to serve this. Now, what are we told? We're told that Trump has got uh, nuclear secrets and it's a matter of national security and whatever. He's got the nuclear football or something or what? Nuclear codes or whatever. Literally Hitler. Yes. Yes. That, that's what they say. That, that's what they say. That's what they run with all the time. They get the warrant signed off on by a judge, by that corrupt judge on Friday evening. Then they took the weekend off and they said, we're just going to serve this on Monday. I'm sorry. Let's look at this in another aspect. Let, let's look at this in another way. Let's say you're a law enforcement officer and you've got evidence that needs to be seized and preserved for conviction purposes, for a trial, because you want a conviction. You got to have evidence to present a jury. You can't just go up there on hearsay. You have to have something tangible you can show to a jury to convince a jury that this person that you're putting before them is guilty. I don't care how good the prosecution or the defense is and how good their uh, their arguments are. If you don't have evidence, you're not going to get a conviction. As somebody that spent many years in the court systems in America and working with law enforcement and even the FBI for that matter. You know, the cases I worked with the FBI, these were not bad people. I don't know what in the hell has gone on at that organization, but it disgusts me what's going on there. Nobody at that organization that I ever worked cases with would have done anything like this. They were people of integrity. They were people that cared about justice. They were people that cared about doing the right thing. And we did everything by the book or I wouldn't have been a part of it. Monday morning rolls around. They serve this warrant. Why did you wait until Monday morning? As I said, in lower cases, let's say you're working a drug case. You've got drugs that need to be seized that you know are on site due to intelligence. You've got probable cause. You've got enough to get the warrant. And the warrant process, that's a whole nother kettle of fish in and of itself. I can go down through and I can explain the warrant process, but I'm not going to. That's pretty rudimentary. Anybody can go and look that up. But you have to be dead on accurate when you're typing a warrant. It can't be hearsay. And that's what this one was, by the way. It was hearsay. You look at that warrant. I saw the warrant. I saw a copy of the warrant. It's hearsay. That's all it is. But if you're going in on a drug case, you know there are drugs on the table. You got dope on the table that you're going to go in there and seize. Because what can happen with that? Right. If it's a bunch of fentanyl pills or, or ecstasy pills or, or methamphetamines or whatever, if you're kicking doors in or they sense that feds are coming, they're flushing it all. Right. So you need to get in there as quickly as possible. That's a drug case. In this case, we're talking about nuclear launch codes, nuclear secrets. Don't you think that's a little bit more important than drugs? And my point is, is this with a drug case, you've got the warrant that goes to the judge from your supervisor. You are the team leader, you're staged down the road from where the raid is going to take place. You're waiting on the call from your supervisor that says, the judge has signed off on it, go, 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 get in there now. That's on a drug case, supposedly on nuclear codes, and they've got something on with this espionage thing, which, okay, we can't charge Hillary with that, with the 13 cell phones that they smashed and, and the 30,000 emails and the hard drives that they smashed and, and boiled in acid, the server that she set up as a, as a dead drop in her bathroom. We can't do anything with that. But this all of a sudden, this can wait until Monday morning. We can take the weekend off. We can go hang out on the beach if we're the FBI. If this was a legitimate threat to national security, especially in manners of that, where somebody that supposedly is the worst guy or hell, even worse than Hitler, according to them, according to the agenda, don't you think you should get in there right when that warrant is signed and get that information and get it out of there and get it booked, get it logged in, get it cataloged in with a chain of custody, which they didn't do? No, they didn't do any of this. They decided to take the weekend off and oh, we'll just worry about that Monday morning. Oh, they didn't have a problem calling CNN to be there, did they? Just like with Roger Stone, they didn't have a problem with that. This whole thing, Again, stinks to high heaven. And then Merrick Garland, who's 45 minutes late to his own press conference, comes out, tells the American people absolutely nothing. He looks like hell when he's giving the press conference, like someone had just given him a talking to from behind the curtain, telling him exactly what to say, because he looked terrible. He was not presentable at all whatsoever, even if it was a staged event. So the whole thing. And then Pence, Pence, that guy was a disgrace before any of this. He made an ass out of himself when he decided to certify that that sham election that we had. 
Now, I'm not saying that Trump was the victor. I'm not saying that because that'll get you banned now, right? I'm not saying he was. All I'm saying is that we had a lot of unanswered questions that night. Never before in our election process, in our electoral process, never before have we shut the counts down in the middle of the night when people go to bed. Never before have I seen clear-cut election fraud, voter fraud, on video, irrefutable fraud. And I'm not talking about the 2,000 mules video either. I'm talking about the election fraud that took place on election night that we saw in states like Georgia and Arizona and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and all these other states that swung the election in the middle of the night when everybody was asleep, but I was awake watching it from the other side of the world. I got people from the UK calling me saying, what in the hell is going on? We've never seen anything like this. He certifies that piece of nonsense. That sealed my decision on him. That guy's a disgrace. I don't understand why he's even up there speaking. What, are you going to run for something, man? Are you going to run for something? You going to run for president? Because right now it looks like the, uh, the Republican Party, at least the, the corrupt establishment, GOP, Rhino, Mitch McConnell, that type, it looks like they're trying to um, plow the road, shall we say, for these people, right? Liz Cheney got embarrassed last night. She lost her primary. She's done. But what did she do? She immediately came out and said this. Two years ago, I won this primary with 73% of the vote. I could easily have done the same again. The path was clear, but it would have required that I go along with President Trump's lie about the 2020 election. It would have required that I enable his ongoing efforts to unravel our democratic system and attack the foundations of our republic. That was a path I could not and would not take. Yeah, you hear all the suburban moms clapping. She's as big a disgrace as her father. Actually, I would argue her father's maybe a bigger one because we have FEMA and we had the Iraq war because of him, largely. Not he wasn't the only one. But then she has the then she has the gall to say this after she lost. The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. Lincoln ultimately prevailed. He saved our union and he defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. Speaking at Gettysburg of the great task remaining before us, Lincoln said that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people by the people and for the people shall not perish from this earth. You running for something, Liz? Is that what I'm hearing? You running for something? You running for something, Mike Pence? Because if they can go through with what they are trying to do with Trump, well, that's going to clear the field up for people like this, isn't it? And then you're going to get the usual prepackaged Mitt Romney types. There's another one, by the way, which I'm surprised he hasn't thrown his hat in the ring. But that's what you're going to get. You're going to get these handpicked establishment from the uh, the political machine foisted upon you to say, here you go. These are your choices. This is what you have to work with. And we're going to fix all this stuff that the evil Joe Biden's doing. Don't worry. That's what you're going to get. Is Liz Cheney, I, I, I don't know, does she uh, espouse being a Christian? I know Pence does. I've uh, uh, yes, I know Pence does. I've never heard her say anything about okay. uh, religion at or, all. Religion. OK, um, well, I was going to make a, a point about um, Pence and her if they were both were Christians. Um, but in Pence's case, you know, one of the things that um, we're, we're told not to do as Christians is lie. That, that's one of the Ten Commandments, if, as you will. The election had uh, a lot of lies tied in there. There was a lot of data malfeasance. And uh, as, as a Christian, you should have been like, maybe we should look into that. We want to find the truth on this. Maybe maybe we should look into it. The fact that he did not do that and didn't, you know, espouse just we need to we need to investigate this. Maybe there's something there. He didn't. Instead, he went straight for the um, normalcy bias, the, the typical average, comfortable Christian. They're, they're too comfortable in their... Uh, their communities and their church, uh, the, the the tickling of the ear from your minister telling you uh, feel-good messages. 
and not actually going out there and making change, doing something. You know, the Bible talks about uh, when when we get into the end times, uh, if you will, um, that the restrainer will be removed. Uh, you know, the, that that um, it depends on what you believe. And some will say, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. Some will say, oh, that that's the rapture reference, whatever. Uh, if you're a Christian, uh, I would argue that, you know, you're you you have you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, so removing the Holy Spirit means you go too. But anyway, um, I don't know that the restrainer. I don't know. I, at first, I was always like, "That's Christians, right? They they they'll be uh, the Christians are restrainers." Like if we weren't here, it would be it's kind of like an Abraham uh, uh, arguing with God, or or you know, uh, over Sodom and Gomorrah, and he said, you know, if there's ten righteous, God wouldn't destroy the city. Well, I mean. That, that that's kind of the restrainer. You're the righteous, right? I'm not even sure that there's 10. Like, I don't know that there's enough people here. When the salt has lost its flavor, what do you do with it? You throw it out. It gets trampled upon. That's kind of, that's that's where I think the Christian populace is right now. As for uh, Cheney, couldn't have happened to a better person. Don't worry, Bruce. We're going to see her in the, uh, the GOP primary. You can bet that she's going to be in Iowa eating corn. So to that, I actually heard a political analyst um, point out that um, she's probably going to try to to Ross Perot this, and she's going to um, try to avert some of the votes from Trump if Trump runs. I have a different opinion. It, it's interesting you bring that up because I was actually going to talk about this at some point. It just hasn't come up yet. But I have a different opinion on that. I think that we are going to see a third party candidate run this time around, but they're not going to announce it yet because I think they're trying to see what they can do with this Trump thing, whatever they need to do to kind of finagle this and make sure that he's out of the way. If they can't accomplish that, then I think you're going to see a third party run and it's not going to be Liz Cheney. You can quote me on this. You can. I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I don't think that I am. And the only reason I say this is because of this person's ties. It is going to be a woman that does a third party run, but it's not going to be Liz Cheney. It's going to be Tulsi Gabbard. I could see Tulsi trying to run as an independent. I could see that. I agree with her on some things, but I'm concerned that she's a wolf in sheep's clothing because she has been touted by the World Economic Forum. So Precisely. Precisely. Okay, so here's the thing. This is why I say her, specifically her, which you just mentioned, is because she's a young global leader at the World Economic Forum. That's the first thing. The second thing, they don't need her to win. They just need her to disrupt. That's all they need her to do. Right. If they can split the GOP vote, because look, we're not going to accept a Liz Cheney or a Mike Pence or a Mitt Romney. That's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Know. We, we have enough. Uh, like, we won't. The, the, the types yeah, that are okay. like us Yeah, won't. we won't. But the turning but point the, people will. Well, I don't, I don't know that they would either. It's the white suburban moms that will, they'll accept the that turning kind. point the, people. Um, some of them are, I don't know, I, maybe maybe it is the turning point people. I know some of them are more activists. They're, they're, I don't know. I'm, I'm, the turning point people I'm still undecided on. I, I, I don't, I haven't seen enough of them to make a judgment either way. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. There is a lot of show and as we talked, it, it is a bun bunch of frills and everything, but they haven't had the opportunity to show themselves whether or not they're going to be just complacent in their comfort or they're going to actually go out there and knock on doors and okay, you know try fair. to you yeah know, fair. so well they got a cash cow going on so they don't need to be out there knocking on doors yeah. they got all the money coming in they need yeah i think it's going to be tulsi gabbard and it's just pure speculation but based on what i'm seeing she is making political statements constantly she's she's increasing her public profile on conservative media and on her own platforms on on like social media and stuff like that. Uh, she is increasing her public persona. And the other thing is, is that she can pick up points that we agree with. She can pick out those points. She's good at that. She actually ran as a Democrat candidate in this last election. She was actually on the stage up there in competition with Joe Biden. But she was one of the first out because, oh, no, no, they can't have that. They can't have a Democrat up there that's actually making sense when they talk. But see, this is before we learned about her um, affiliations on the other side of the globe, you know, with Klaus and company. But she can be the perfect kind of disruption. She'll get the people that are maybe not quite uh, on board with the GOP establishment. They'll say, well, here's a young woman, attractive woman. You know, here's a woman who talks calmly. Her cadence is just right. You notice their cadence is all the same. From Justin Trudeau to Jacinda Ardern to Dan Andrews to Scott Morrison to Olaf Schultz to Boris Johnson, Emmanuel Macron, 
Joe Biden, or excuse, well, I can't say Joe Biden. He doesn't. The man doesn't have a cadence. But anybody in not these, anymore. yeah, not anymore. Obama. All right, take Obama. Right, there's a good one. They all have the same cadence when they talk. You know why? Because they all go through the same institutions. They all get brought up and groomed the same exact way. Tulsi can talk like that. She can talk the same game that these other people can talk. And that can be deceptive, especially if you've got a pissed off voter on the Democrat side. If you've got someone on the American left side of things and they have every right to be upset, they have every right to be upset. And I'm talking about the classic Democrat type, the one that still loves the country, that type, the one that actually believed in uh, in union jobs and, and working families and all the rest of it, that type, the one that's a hunter and a fisher and, and everything, a fisherman and everything else. But they still believe in community and in family and in uh, and in wholesome things. The modern Democrat Party doesn't do that. Hell, the modern Republican Party barely does that. They do that for more show business than anything else. They do it to just to, to sell T-shirts. So I'm not even sold on the Republican Party, but the average person on the American Democrat side, they're feeling left out in the cult because they're not on board with all this radical uh, Antifa, um, AOC, whatever this this nonsense is with this squad thing that they got going on. They're not on board with that. And then you've got people like us. We feel the same way about the establishment GOP. We're not on board with that. So who better than someone like Tulsi Gabbard to come along and say, you know, I see both sides of things. I still believe in America and I still believe in this and I still believe in that. And we can find common ground and and we can talk things out. We can come to a common agreement and that will resonate with people on both sides. But it doesn't have to be a majority vote. It just needs to be enough to split whatever they need. If you get stuck on the GOP side with uh, Mike Pence or Liz Cheney, and if you get stuck on the Democrat side with uh, Joe Biden, which, uh, hell, even Jerry Nadler says that Biden's not going to run. But if you get stuck with that, I mean, there's your choices. Of course, you're going to vote third party, but it doesn't have to be a big enough margin. It just needs to be enough to make sure that one side or the other, one or the other criminal gets in there and the agenda continues. I, I think, though, with the Tulsi because she will resonate with so many people, uh, she would be detrimental to like she'll she'll resonate with both sides. You'll have the white suburban moms on the left and the right would go with her. You would have some of the more hawkish because she's more hawkish than uh, I, I would like. They'll go with her or potentially go to her if they don't like Trump. You, you know, the good but, old boys will go with her because she looks good, because that's just the way that they think. Yeah, yeah. But then you also have the the left that are looking to bail at any chance they can because Biden. Um, no, he's a disaster. Uh, he's a disaster. So I could see this actually going in reverse. Like this could be detrimental to either side. But to that, at the same time, if they get enough uh, from the right, you know, if they if they reduce those numbers enough, then it makes it easier to cheat in. So right. And it, when I say it, that there, Biden's a, a lot of ways to play it. Yeah, you know, you're 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 right. When I say that Biden's a disaster, I'm not talking about that from a standpoint of being a conservative. Biden's a disaster for his own party. That's the problem here. So either we we've said it before, either it's uh, malicious intent or it's malicious intent. There there is no other option that they're so wrong so much on so many. Like if you were bumbling in the dark, eventually you would find the light switch. Eventually, they've been bumbling in the dark over major issues uh we we just passed the one year ago uh, um it's been like a couple days ago the afghanistan pullout right and you know you remember how much of a disaster that was or have have the american people forgotten that was immensely bad but that was a political game that was just him saying we we have to do we have to have a political win and they pushed for something for a political win pulled them out it looks good on paper uh but then uh, well, it was a disaster. It ended up hurting them in the long run. So that one, if even if you were incompetent, you should have been able to do something. I want to play this clip here. If you're incompetent. Yeah, I, I know. Sorry. I agree. I, I want to no, you're fine. I want to play this clip here of uh, of Senator John Kennedy from uh, from Louisiana. Now, we think that we understand why he's doing this because he's up for reelection. <laughs> Otherwise, you probably wouldn't hear from him. But he is one of the politicians that jumped ship. He was a Democrat party member for a good number of years. And then he flipped. He's now representing the GOP. Uh, but when he's 
on this show, uh, whatever this is, uh, uh, Jesse Waters or whatever on Fox News. I'm not disagreeing with what he has to say. See if you agree with him or not. Senator, good to see you. So give me your take. The liberals are bailing on Joe Biden in 2024. Why so? Some politicians in Washington, D.C., not all of them, but some care more about their problems than yours. And the thing they want most in the world is to be reelected. Certain members of President Biden's own party are running from him because they think President Biden will hurt their reelection. Now, why is that? Um, in my judgment, President Biden has stepped on every rake in the yard. I don't, I don't mean to be unfair, but it's been cringeworthy. He has mismanaged Congress, mismanaged COVID, mismanaged crime, mismanaged the border, mismanaged Afghanistan, mismanaged the economy, mismanaged inflation, and forfeited America's energy independence. Now, President Biden obviously disagrees with that. He says he's doing a swell job. And as evidence, he offers the opinion opinions of experts like um, Kamala Harris and, and uh, Prince Harry. But I don't think most Americans are persuaded. Uh, I don't think the American people hate President Biden. I certainly don't. But I think a majority of the voters in our country at this juncture think he would be he would be better off selling catheters on late night TV than serving as president of the United States. And those are just the facts. I, I think you're right, Senator. Well, I'm not going to disagree with him on, well, pretty much just about all of that, with the exception of uh, where he says that um, you had a disagreement when he said that uh, he doesn't hate President Biden. And you, you seem to not agree with that part. Yeah. So I, I agree with his statements there uh, on the surface. It's good rhetoric. But uh I, I don't hate Biden. Okay, so maybe as a person, as character is concerned, yes. maybe maybe he might be a nice guy. He might he might be, be somebody yeah. you can interact with. I don't yeah. know. I've never met the guy. That, so, so that's that's think of looking Bill at Clinton. it from that perspective. I agree him. I agree. Yeah, th think of Bill Clinton honestly, and I and I mean this with all sincerity. Bill Clinton as someone that's not a politician. I didn't like his politics at all. But quite frankly, compared to this modern Democrat party, the guy was a Boy Scout by comparison, uh, even though he started the ball rolling on all this other stuff. But you know what? Convince me that it wasn't his wife behind the scenes doing it. Him as a person, he looks to me like he would be the life of a, of a party somewhere. You know, he looks like somebody that you could legitimately sit down and have a drink with. And he would tell jokes and he would be the center of attention at a table. Maybe that's what Joe Biden would be like, too. Of course, I'm not sure because when Obama was back in the White House and shaking hands with everybody, it was really sad seeing that. You know how Joe was just kind of like wandering around the room and no one was paying attention to him. So yeah. maybe he's not. Anyway, but it, he's it's a side his, issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it's because of the age and everything. He's lost his uh, mojo, if you will. Yeah. Um, so as as a individual person, I agree. But here's the problem. Here's something that that when I when I judge someone's character and I, I look at them and I'm I'm um, no. Oh, you're not so supposed to judge as a uh, as a Christian. Um, go take a hike. Uh, it tells you you can judge them by their by their actions, by what they do. That's how we're supposed to judge people's hearts based on your actions. So as an individual, uh, I, I'm sure he's probably nice as, as an individual person. However, I have to look at his actions. What has he done? He's done illegal dealings in Ukraine. Uh, he's funneled money through Latvia to, to hide the money. He's done dealings with China. He's done dealings to get uh, stuff passed for his brother's company, construction company, which ended up doing nothing. Millions. We're talking millions of dollars for that one. Uh, billions of dollars altogether. And then uh, the stuff that went on in Ukraine, that was $4 billion that disappeared. So of taxpayer, uh, taxpayer money. And that's not including any of the other stuff that he's been involved with over the years. So, yes, as an individual, if you were just talking with him, he may be a nice individual. But based upon what he's done, I don't hate the guy because we're not supposed to hate as a Christian. But as close as I can get to that line of hating the guy. Yeah, that's where I'm at with him because he's shown himself to be corrupt. He's shown himself to be evil. He's taken the stance as a Catholic, as Catholic. He proclaims to be Catholic. And he's OK with killing children. 
and that's not even including the uh, sniffing kids on stage in front of can camera, uh, touching them inappropriately on uh, like they're they're drawing away from him. And uh, so, no, I, I don't think the guy is a great individual, not someone you should model your life after. Certainly not. A few things. I've never heard somebody say, uh, you saying I can't judge somebody? Oh, go take a hike. I, I've never heard a died in the wool Christian ever say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go take a I'll judge somebody. That's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, judging. So let me clarify. Judging someone means you're uh, looking at their actions and prescribing them and saying they're going to hell because of that. Right. Well, the Bible does tell us we can say that. If if you haven't accepted Christ, guess what? You're going to hell. That's, that's just what the Bible says. So in a sense, you're already judged. I don't have to judge you. I'm just showing you what the Bible says. So in a sense, uh, that's not judging. But yeah. I agree with Kennedy where he says that, uh, you know, I'm sure that the voters don't hate Biden. He certainly doesn't. I, I don't hate the man. I hate his policies. I hate his exactly. uh, his decisions that he's making while in this uh, high and noble office. That is not what that office is supposed to do. That is not the kind of rhetoric that you're supposed to espouse to the American people. And I'm not just saying that from uh, an opposite side of a political aisle. I think the way that he addresses the American people, regardless if you're a Republican or a Democrat, that's disgraceful. That is absolutely disgraceful, the way that he talks down to people. And the, yeah, the man's that, not even lucid half the time. It. Yeah, the man's not even lucid half the time. He's got no room to talk on any of that stuff. No, that, that's that's a good way of putting it. it it's more of a it, exactly that. It's more his actions based on what he's done that exactly. I hate. It's yeah. not the individual, the person. No. I don't know. I, I, I still I still fall back to the he's a pedophile. He's done corrupt business dealings. I mean, it, it's kind of, oh, and it, it, here's the other thing. If you want to say, oh, that the, those allegations are unfounded, uh, Hunter Biden's laptops, have fun. Go go do, go take a dive in there and see what, what's gone on. Uh, how about no. his daughter, uh, Ashley Biden or whatever her name is? Oh, the diary. Uh, go take a dive yeah, yeah. in her diary oh, and, and, and read yeah. about what he's done. Not only is it pedophilia, but it's also incest. So... Okay, we're just going to have to leave it there. I mean, that's I, I'm, not, I'm not going any further on that. Didn't get to uh, your governor, but uh, maybe we can do that uh, tomorrow or, or possibly on the uh, uh, on the exclusive for the weekend. But unfortunately, we're going to have to uh, call this one done because we're actually over on time. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. You know someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Bruce, thank you for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.